Uh, tonight, we're going to dig into the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. And the last time uh, I got to stand before you, um, we did um, Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. So tonight, Lord willing, we're going to pick up on Daniel chapter 24, and the desire of my heart is to go through to chapter 33. Gwen, is there a problem? I'm excited. Oh, okay. I thought that was one of those, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but it could be. <laughs> we never know. Hey, Richard, we only got through two verses. What's, what's the deal, bro? <laughs> so, so that's the plan. <laughs> 24 to 33. Let's read uh, those verses, and then we'll come back and dig in. <laughs> Tough house. <laughs> okay. Daniel chapter 2, verses, verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Ariot, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Ariot quickly brought Daniel before the king, and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what will come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to, to you what will be. But as for me... Uh, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the, interp the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So um, in the interest of time, I don't think we need to go back and review uh, what we've gone through already, how we got to this point, because there's so much ahead. So we're just going to keep moving forward. So uh, with, with chapter 1, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, chapter 2, verse 24, the, the wise men, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans have already gone before the king and pleaded their case, just give us more time. In addition to that, what they wanted Nebuchadnezzar to do, you tell us your dream and we'll interpret it for you. But Nebuchadnezzar doesn't want to rely on that because if I told you what I dream, it would be a lot easier for me to say, well, this is what it means. So Nebuchadnezzar wants to make sure that these men or who they say they are as far as their uh, means of interpret interpreting what, he's, what he dreamed. But he wanted them all killed. They're not able to interpret my dream, so let's just wipe them out. That was uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's desire. And uh, Daniel had a different thought, and he went in with the king uh, saying, okay, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king. And I will tell the king their interpretation. First of all, Daniel wanted to stop the, the potential slaughter of all these people. That was his desire. And he knew that these men, and we'll, we'll, we'll see later on, had no ability to tell the future. They were able, they were men of learn. They had learned how to take certain facts and then apply them to overall... Um, a vast number of people 
And today that will be akin to the way some of us who are still bent on astrology, that's how we use it. You know, you're going to receive some money today that doesn't just apply to a certain group. That could be overall. And they won't specify the amount. And not only that, but when these uh, evangelists, these prophets come through, I've seen them in my past life. They travel through different cities, towns, and they're telling people, you know, they're looking to audition and say, you're going to receive a, a, a great deal of money. You're going to get a new car. You're going to get a new house. Now, the thing is, if it comes true that, that you're going to be granted those things anyway, these people are long gone. And if you're not granted that, they're still long gone. So they're, they're hirelings, and this is what they do. And there's some people, some among us, who are willing to believe anything that we can make it fit. Well, you're going to, be, you're going to receive a huge blessing. Okay, well, you woke up the next morning, and you were able to see. There you go. You received a huge blessing because you could have woke up and be blinded. And that's the thing that they get it. But Nebuchadnezzar is not going to buy this. He wants to know that these men are authentic. And uh, in addition to Daniel, Ariot did not want to uh, see this happen either. But Ariot felt a a loyalty, a loyalty to King Nebuchadnezzar. And neither of them wanted to slay the wise men. So there, there's quite a dilemma here because the king didn't want to believe the others. And since Daniel and the other three men were trained under them, he was going to put them all to death. He wasn't going to save any of them. He was just going to wipe them out totally. Verse 25, then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. And Ariot was so pleased that there was a possibility that this dream could be interpreted. That's why he rushed uh, Daniel into the presence of the king with the good news that the king's dream would finally be interpreted. And so this way everyone would be happy. The king would be happy. Daniel would be happy that they spared the lives of the men. And Ariot didn't have to stand in the gap for Daniel and and the Hebrew boys because his life was at risk as well. The king answered and said uh, to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream in which I have seen in this interpretation? And the king was still skeptical of Daniel. All of these wise men had not been able to come up with a dream and its interpretation, but here comes this little whippersnapper who says he will be able to do, the, do, to do this. And the king asked this question, do you mean to tell me that all the other wise men could not resolve this issue, but you think you can answer me? Maybe this is just another attempt of the wise men to stall for time. His question would have caused more mortals to, sh- to shiver, but Daniel trusted his God. That's key. Daniel trusted his God. Daniel know that he, within, in and of himself, he did not have the power to interpret the dream, but he knew a God who could. And that's what I'd like to just convey to each and every one of us. And the title of this right from the beginning, even from chapter one, verse one rather, was trust God. Trust in the Lord. And that's really what this boils down to. So this is not just for Daniel. This is not for Ariad. This is not for Nebuchadnezzar. This is for all of you. This is for everyone within the sound of my voice and beyond. Trust in the Lord. Because we we talked about this last time. There are things that, that we've done time after time after time. So we feel like we, we've got it now. We, I've nailed this. I know how to do this thing. And then you go in, it just doesn't quite work out. And now, all of a sudden, your, your human frailty shows. But this is where God wants you. He wants you in your weakness. He wants me in my weakness. Because in our weakness, his strength comes through. Oh, wow, I fail. That means i got to rely on the Lord. I, I, I probably should pray. Yeah, you probably should. You probably should have prayed even before all this began. But as long as we continue to trust in him, we're going to be fine. And I know even, even sitting here tonight, there are some among us who are struggling with some things. Again, 
I, I'm included in that. There's struggles going on in our lives. And what we do, we keep thinking that we can fix it, we can fix it, we can fix it. And then it comes to the point where we can't fix it. I guess I should pray. Think about this, though, friends. What is the downside of praying before these things start? What's the worst? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? There's no such thing as overpraying. Can't overdo it. There's no such thing as that prayer was wasted. That prayer was useless. He always hears us. Always. And just want to uh, encourage us to really understand what an answer from God means. Well, I prayed about this issue, and God never answered my prayer. How do you know? How do you know he didn't answer your prayer? The reason that you know is because you went in with a preconceived notion of the outcome of your prayer. Lord, heal my brother. Lord, grab my sister's heart. And then stand back and say, okay, let's see. Okay, this is 9 o'clock on Tuesday. So I'm thinking probably about 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. That should be taken care of. Don't go in with any preconceived notions. He's outside of time. He always hears you. No is an answer. Wait is an answer. Not now is an answer. So when Daniel, was, Daniel prayed without ceasing for this situation because Daniel knew, and we know that we don't have the potential to handle a lot of things that are in our lives. So pray, pray, and pray. And so what Daniel did, if you, you weren't with us, some of you weren't here last time, but these, these wise men, these astrologers, these, these Chaldeans went before the king and pleaded their case. Just, just give us more time. Just give us more time. And when you think about it, what was different when they went in to plead before the king and when Daniel went in to plead before the king? Daniel went in with the heart of God. These wise men went in based on their strength. These astrologers went in based on their strength, their reputation. You know, they had given answers to, to the dreams before. But they never had to tell the king what he dreamed and then interpret it. So we're in a different situation right now. This requires uh, help or knowledge that is well beyond us. And not just knowledge, but this requires wisdom as well. This requires wisdom. And these men did not uh, have that at that time. But Daniel does. He's trusting the Lord. And... Uh, 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. And these are, this is what Daniel proclaimed. Verse 28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days in says, your dreams and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And this is where Daniel interprets the dream. First of all, Daniel immediately made a distinction between the wisdom of Babylon and the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, you don't have to go there, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 20 through 25, Paul the Apostle wrote, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. They were so intelligent until they were able to handle their lives without God. So they thought. And unfortunately, these ideas, these thoughts were not left behind for that time. Those ideas are present with us today. There are some people who rely on their knowledge. Even some of the people that make, our, make rules that we are expected to live by, they make them based on knowledge. They make them those decisions made on their personal slant towards an issue. And there's no godly 
heart included in the decisions that are made. And as a result, we have become part of a fallen world. Not to make it sound like we're defeated, we're not. He's with us. He can't lie. He's not a respecter person, so he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And over the years, I found that to be true. And even today, I just want to encourage you to, to rest in that. Rest on the fact that he's got you covered. There's no chance of him walking away from you. Now, he does allow us to walk away from him, but he also gives us an opportunity to come back. But he will never walk away from us. Trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Daniel was a, a person of prayer. He was constantly seeking the Lord in everything. And that's where we want to be. We want to constantly seek the Lord in every issue. I love my family. I love our daughters. I love our granddaughters. But I don't know their future. This is what I'm dealing with. Seek the Lord. He knows. I don't know. I can tell you what's happening here and now. Maybe. But he knows what you really need. So when you're seeking those answers, when you're seeking that counsel, seek him. Too often we depend on family, friends, officials to give us advice. If Daniel had resorted to that, he would have been no better than these astrologers, these soothsayers. But he sought the Lord. The Lord. And to finish this a verse from our First Corinthians, and the, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's why we rely on him. In our weakness, his strength is there. His strength is ever-present. We don't have to fret. And when he says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, there's a reason for that. We are prone to fear. And with that fear comes, they're prone to wander and guilty. Fear can create physical issues, if you allow Worrying can create physical issues if you allow. But he gives up an opportunity to cast our burdens to him. We love our family. We love our friends. God takes precedence over all of that. And that we have to believe that. We must believe that with all of our heart. And as we go through this, we can see what Daniel has an opportunity introduced to the darkened mind of this pagan king, the true and living God. Daniel says, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and makes known to the king what shall be in the latter days. And Daniel's just encouraging the king in a godly way that, that he can know the same God that Daniel knows. And this is very important because this is going to be the um, emphasis of the book of Daniel. This dream refers to the end of the times of the Gentiles. And we're going to save that for when we go uh, beyond, well, next opportunity, what that really means. Because there's, there's quite a bit to that. And it's not complex. It's just it's so important to take our time and go through it so we really understand what that means. And we'll just give a, just before we close tonight, we'll just give a little example of, of where we're going with, the, with that particular statement. This dream refers to the end of the time of the Gentiles. 
29, as for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to, to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets have made known to you what will be. The Lord has made known to Nebuchadnezzar what will be. Now the question is, is Nebuchadnezzar willing to take it at face value? Is he willing to trust the Lord? Are we willing to trust the Lord in everything? No exceptions. Well, I don't think the Lord is really concerned about anything that small. When we determine what's large and small, that's from our perspective. You think God is looking down on your issue and thinking, ah, oh, that's, that's minor. I'm not going to concern myself with that. The answer is no, he's not. Well, I got really, really big issues. I'm not sure if God's really concerned about that. The answer is yes, he is. He's concerned about everything about us. Everything. No, no exceptions. But we need to learn to rely on that. We need to learn to rest in that. Do you really believe that God loves you without compromise? Do you believe that God loves you unconditionally? Do you believe that from your heart? And yet we can shake our heads and say yes, but has that thought gone from here to here? That's the question. Ask yourself, do you believe that God is there for you no matter what? regardless of what's going on? Do you think that God's only with you when you're here, but when you're here, you give credit, credence to the other side? Why is the enemy punishing me? Why is the enemy subjecting me to this, this torture, this torment? We can't afford to think that way, or we shouldn't afford. You can, but you shouldn't think that way. That same God that's with you here is with you here. Another thing, it's a cliche, he will never fail. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, never. He won't fail. He can't fail. He can't fail. We look at things as we stumble, we fall. I fail. I don't think God really loves me today. God doesn't look at it like that. He looked at it as an opportunity to learn and to trust him. Get up and try it again. Get up and try it again. Get up and try it again. And we talk about the God of second chances, but he goes way beyond that. And everything that he's doing in your life, in my life, has a purpose. Well, brother, I don't know about that because there's some things that I've been subjected to and I never really figured out why I had to go through that. Why well, I had to lose something, something that was near and dear to me. He's working it out. You don't have the ability to see beyond that. You're focusing on that, that area of what we consider failure. God doesn't. And so you don't have, always have the ability to know what he's going to do through that. But why did he close that door? Because he's opening one right behind you. Why did he open that door? Because he's closing one right behind you. The problem is, my friends, it requires something that we call patience. I see you. You don't want to hear it? We're not good at that. We're not good at that. Even today, I got a chance to talk to one of the brothers and he was saying, I prayed for patience and I waited for five minutes. <laughs> really, bro? Uh, okay, you might have that all wrong. And, it, and that's us. Even though we laugh when somebody else may say that, but they're, they're, that's how we are. I want patience and I want it now. But he's patient. He is patient with us. And, you know, again... He said, well, I pray to God, but he's moving awfully slow. How do you know that? How do you know what's slow or what's fast? Only in comparison to something else, which we create. 
we create. We have a world that tells us if you're not moving fast, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You got to move fast. You got to move quick. You got to multitask. You got to have a lot of things going on at once. Otherwise, you're being ineffective. The world will tell you that, especially for among the, the those of us who still work for a living. You know what I'm talking about. So he's there with you. He's there. He's working on his time. He's working in his way. But he's always got your best interests at heart. Can you be patient? Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to allow him to work it out and not try and do it at your own pace? Yes, but. There's no yeah, but. Are you willing we must trust in him. And Nebuchadnezzar was bothered as he lay in bed at night wondering about the future. He's concerned because he started out as a petty king and has been able to, has been elevated to a world leader, a world ruler. Do we lay in the bed worrying about our future? Do we lay in the bed concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow? You know, even now, there may be some of us sitting here or some of us listening. Uh, we've heard rumors of a snowstorm coming through. So there's some people right now that are worried about it. Okay, what do you do about it? Well, I can't really do anything about it. So I beg to ask the question. Why are you worried? There's some of us right now, things are a little tight. The wallet has shrunk a little bit. And we're concerned because we're not able to take care of business the way we normally would. So you lose sleep. When you awake, has that issue gone away? And I understand we're humankind and there are just some things that are programmed in. Have you tried prayer? Have you asked the Lord, what do I do here? Ask him for yourself. Well, my friend said I should. No, no. It's all about a personal relationship with God. Personal. You and the Lord. It's okay to hear our friend's opinion, but that's all it is. What would the Lord have you to do in that situation? Does the Lord care about our finances? Absolutely. Does the Lord care about our safety? Absolutely. Does the Lord care about our peace of mind? Certainly. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Verse 30. But as for me... This secret has, has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. And this dream had to do with the future of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and the outcome of his great world empire. Nebuchadnezzar was concerned about the future because he was a possessor and dictator it's a key word in this issue of this empire and the dream was God's answer to Nebuchadnezzar's problem that's all it was this dream that Nebuchadnezzar's having God speaking to him and as we go through you'll you'll see where matter of fact I'll just I'll just keep going God is going to speak to Nebuchadnezzar in a language that he will understand the language of the outward splendor and glory of his kingdom. The dream was also the dream of a Gentile, and in God, and in that God spoke to him by using an image. God knew what it took to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. He knows what visions to put before him. He knows what language to put before him. He knows the timing. He knows the place. He knows the situation. And it's no different for us. No different. He knows what we're going to respond to. And he meets us where we are. That's key, my friends. 
That's key that he meets us where we are. Because we're going to struggle with some things. And regardless of how grounded we are, that flesh wants to rule. It is, if you haven't noticed, the flesh is relentless. I'm going to have my way. No, you're not. I'm going to have my way. No, you're not. I am going to have my way. Just give in. Give in. I miss the flesh. I miss flesh. I'm going to rule. No. Yes. Relentless. It just keeps on coming, keeps on coming, keeps on coming. And the things that you think you've gotten beyond, well, I'm, Richard, I'm way beyond that. I don't have to, I don't even think about that anymore. Okay. All right. Keep living. All of a sudden now you're bombarded with something. You know, for those among us who've had, you know, additional sin issues in addition to those that we have now. For those who dealt with alcohol, those who dealt with drugs, those who dealt with fornication, those who dealt with all kinds of things, idolatry, thinking that we're beyond that. The Lord would bring it, bring it around. And what we need to understand is the difference between the Lord allowing and the Lord causing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Of course it does. Of course it does. There may be a situation where the Lord needs to chasten you to give you a shorter reign. So that's what he has to do to get your attention. And he will bring these things to you in an image, in language, in a manner that you can relate to. It's like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a reason why he brought this image. There's a reason why he brought this language. There's a reason why he brought it this way in his dreams. There's a reason for that. And just like with us, everything that he does has a purpose. Everything, no exceptions, has a purpose. And with Nebuchadnezzar, and we can look at this, and I pray that we would learn from this. These words were put before us so we can learn. This was not unique for Nebuchadnezzar. And the times that we go through are just for us to learn and to grow, to mature, and to trust him more. So when he's talking to you, keep your eyes, keep your ears, keep your heart open to really try and understand and pray to the Holy Spirit. Give me more insight into what I'm seeing. Give me more insight into what I'm hearing. And he will. Uh, Pastor this morning talked about the paraclete. Paracletus, and he's given all of us that. You've got your own personal Paracletus. Someone there beside you, and you may not always recognize them. And that's why we have to be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. He'll speak to us in a way that we need to. And one thing I just want to say, not part of what I intended to say, but try and understand spiritual growth through separation. And what I mean by that is there are times when the Lord would take a friend away or an acquaintance or perhaps a family member because he wants to create more of an opportunity for you to grow. Sometimes we get to the point where we rely on that person more than we do our God. And you're never out of that because even us as pastors, we rely on other pastors because we think that the God has given them something special, and he has to a degree. But when we, we tend to rely on that pastor for guidance, spiritual guidance more than we do our God, it's a losing battle, my friends. You're not defeated, but you're going in the wrong direction. You're no longer aiming for the mark. When you're not aiming for the mark and you miss, the word for that is sin. So it's okay to rely on someone, but then if we do that too much, too often, too intently, then when we see Nebuchadnezzar lean more towards idolatry 
we're no different than he is in this case. And we see a lot of that. Um, so let's keep going. The next time we will, uh, well, first of all, uh, I just, just to back up a little bit. Uh, Babylon was known as a fountainhead of pagan religion, the womb of heathen idols. And as we go on, you're going to see uh, the history of the rule, history and the rule of this world by the Gentiles. Let's be careful. Because of the failure of the house of David, God has now taken the scepter out of the, the scepter of this universe out from the hands of the line of David, and he's putting it in the hands of the Gentiles. It will be there until Jesus Christ comes again to this earth. Then Christ will take the scepter and rule as King of kings and Lord of lords from the day of Nebuchadnezzar right on down through our day until the Lord comes to reign the time of the Gentiles. And you're going to hear that as we go further into, into this particular book, the time of the Gentiles, and there's, there's a, a really good reason for it. There's, there's a change that's taking place now. There's a, a change that we're taking, he's taking the scepter from the line of David and putting it in the hands of Jesus Christ. There's no better than that. That's as good as it gets. Putting it in the hands of Jesus Christ. And that way we know we can, we can depend on him no matter what. He's going to come through for you. He's going to come through for me and you and you. He's going to come through. Do you believe that? You must believe that. You must. In order to establish that personal relationship with him, you've got to start with trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with all of your heart? Do you trust him when things are not going your way? Do I trust him when things are not going my way? Do you allow the old person, that old man or that old woman, the flesh, to rule in a situation that you don't want to trust God? He's not moving quick enough. He doesn't seem to be committed to what I want. So I'll do it myself. There's a danger in that. Anytime we're prone to wander, we're setting ourselves up for, for hurt. Anytime we're prone to forget it, forget him, then we'll, we can submit ourselves to any and everything. Anytime we stop trusting in him and trusting in man, danger. Real danger. 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. Do we have those kind of idols in our lives today? What grabs your attention that really shouldn't? What grabs your attention that you find out is not in your best interest? And different answer for all of us. You know, what things do you idolize that you know are not in your best interest? And in my experience, um, even just recently, um, just getting an opportunity to fellowship with men, and I'll say it, we're all adults here, for the most part, pornography. Huge, Rochester, huge. Pornography. Serious idolatry. And I know some of us are probably not comfortable even hearing that word. But it's the truth, folks. It's the truth. It's really, really, really big. And it's really destroying not just the, the, the men and the boys that are involved in it, destroying their families. This is not part of what I have here, but this is just what's on my heart. So I'm just sharing with you guys what's on my heart. Because I got a chance to see it, not pornography. I got a chance to, to fellowship with these men. 
and for them to confess to one another that it's major. Well, it's a, it's a victimless crime. Not true. Well, nobody got hurt by it. Not true. That's just one form of idolatry that we mentioned. There, there's so many others. There's some of us who um, worship and, and bow down to brazen images. And they could be pretty much anything. What are you subjected to? And again, this isn't to cause anyone to feel condemned. Romans 8. This isn't an op- a chance for anyone to feel like they, they fail. There's no failure in God's eyes. There's, 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 there's so many things that we're subjected to that can destroy us very easily. Think about what it is in your life. And for, for those among us who say, well, I don't have any issues at all, God bless you. Stay that way. But do not allow anything like that to come into your life. And if you know someone who has or is or will be, pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage them that they don't have to go that way. Let them know that Jesus loves them. And he has a better plan for them than where they're going. Pray with them. As Daniel began to describe Nebuchadnezzar's dream, I believe Nebuchadnezzar's face went from being cynical to a look of unconcealed amazement. I really do believe that. That's not what the scripture says, but, you know, as I sit there, you think about you've been doing so many things to to have your dream spoken of and then have it interpreted, and now it's happening. It would be akin to you have a dream about something that the Lord is going to do in your life, and then someone approaches you in prayer and tells you all about it. There's going to be an amazement. First of all, uh, you're not going to want to believe that this is coming from the mind of a humankind, and it isn't that person has to have a strong relationship with the Lord, strong, in order for the Lord to use them. And sometimes that may not be true. He'll use the foolish things for us, depending on what it takes. He'll meet us where we are. When, when Daniel began to say, you saw a great image, the brightness of which was terrific and amazing, I believe the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar lit up. And he shipped it to the edge of, of his throne and said, Son, you're right on. Tell me more. I, I really think that that's how Nebuchadnezzar felt at that time. That's, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was a humankind like us. So he was very, very interested in hearing this. So, so that got his attention. Just like the things that we like or love can get our attention. All right, now I'm really hearing what I want to hear. And, you know, when the pastors are preaching and we hear something that grabs us, okay, now we're leaning in. Tell me more, pastor. Tell me more. I want to hear more. So Nebuchadnezzar is getting that now. He's getting the feedback that he has desired for a while. Verse 32, uh, this image's head was a fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of of, gold. iron and clay mixture. And in this case, the head of fine gold represented Babylon, which is in this context, the overall earth. The chest and arms of silver represented Media, Persia, which was a divided kingdom. The belly and thighs of bronze represented Greco, Macedonia. The legs of iron represented Rome. And the feet of the iron clay mix represented a divided kingdom, which was the last form of Roman rule. It was the last go-around for Roman rule. Now, Nebuchadnezzar prepared to listen to the interpretation of God speaking to him in the language that he can understand. And that is so important. He will talk to you in a language that you understand. He will come to you one-on-one, and tell you what you need to hear. 
I didn't say want to hear. I said need to hear. And he will do that for us. He loves us that much. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you what you need to know, what you need to do in this situation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to rest in where I'm taking you right now because I've got something even better. You enjoyed that dinner? You're going to love dessert. We got to have the patience. We got to have the trust. We got to have, and I struggle with that word simply because he gives you an option. He gives you an opportunity to either receive or reject what he's doing in your life. So when I say gotta, he's, he's not dragging you along. He's just saying, okay, here it is. What we heard this morning, we talked about conditions and promises. And I think uh, last time I referenced this, this particular scripture, uh, and I like it a lot because it, it speaks to my heart often. Uh, in uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm, excuse me, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it references here's four conditions, and here's three promises. And he starts off with that big little word that the pastor talked about this morning, if. Conditional or unconditional. Even that's a decision that you can make based on your perspective. Here's here's the conditions. Here's the promises. If you do this, 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 and this, then I'll do this, this, and this. And there's so many others that were referenced this morning, whether that's conditional or unconditional. Seek him and how you should respond to that. Seek his heart for if you should look at that as, is that conditional or unconditional? He'll let you know. And he'll explain it to you why it is or isn't one or the other. Seek him. Okay, last, uh, last one. This tremendous uh, image that is before Nebuchadnezzar just stands there. That's what our idols do. Regardless of, it could be something that moves under some power, but it's an animate object. In this case, it just stands there. There's no movement at all. The image consisted of a very strange assortment of metals and clay. It was not an alloy of metals, but an image of four metals plus a silicone, which is sand or clay. Are your idols able to move? Are they able to help you in any way? Do your idols speak to you when you're sober or straight? Do your idols speak to you? Let's be careful with that, my friends. Because sometimes, you know, we can see other religious groups that have these idols. Well, if I rub this statue, then it's going to bring me good luck. Nonsense. If I pray to this statue, is my dream going to come true? These statues are made of wood, stone, clay. Or they could be celestial. So are we going to trust in those? Are we going to seek the one true and living God and trust in him for everything? Everything. No exceptions. I, I, I keep saying that because I, I pray that we really understand that. We have a, ten, a tendency to quantify what the Lord's going to support and what he isn't. Let's not. That's too little. He's not concerned. That's too big. He's not concerned. He's got more important things to do. There is nothing or no one that is more important to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, than you, you, and you. 
Nothing, regardless of how we feel. Nothing. Trust him. Trust him. Give him your heart. If there's anyone here who does not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that tonight would be the night that you would say, what must I do to be saved? There's someone here to pray with you. There's someone here to pray for you. And I know most of us were sort of reserved, kind of shy. I don't want to go up in front of these people and let them know that I'm a sinner. Got a news for you. I'm looking around the room. I'm looking for someone who's not a sinner. Nothing's jumped out at me yet. All, all due respect, friends. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let tonight be the night. Don't be shy. If you're ashamed of me before man, then I'll be ashamed of you before my father. We don't want to hear that from my Lord and Savior. He loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. And I pray that we would live accordingly. Lord, we just thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. I will praise the Lord at all times. May his name always be on my lips. Lord, I thank you for my friends and their willingness to come out and encourage us. And I pray, Father, that if there was even one word that was spoken that could cause my friends to stumble, I pray, Father, that you would just erase it from my minds even now. So we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, Father, and I do pray that it was rightly divided. And I pray, Father, that if there's any heart that needs to be touched, if there's any illness that needs to be healed, I pray that a sister, a brother will come up. We have a God who comes highly recommended. We have a great physician whose skills are beyond all others. We have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And we want to share that with all of our friends, all our family. I pray that those here who are not part of your remnant, Father, that that would all change tonight. That with your cords of love, that you would, you would graft them right in with the rest of us, Father, those who love you dearly. So we thank you, Father, for your grace, again, for your mercy. And we thank you for waking us up this morning, Father, with new mercy sprinkled on our pillows. I pray that you would just continue to encourage, Father, as only you can. May you receive the glory through all that we do and say throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming out.